You know what they say about old soldiers, don't you? They're a threat to humanity, and they always will be. He always brings out this anger in me I can't control. Life is life, whether it's wrapped in skin, scales, or feathers. So much for genetics. There's no night in deep space, and time is a meaningless concept when you stop to think about it. Hello, and welcome to Who Are You, a Babylon 5 watchcast hosted by two friends who have gotten to know each other and will continue to get to know each other over the rewatching of one of their favorite shows from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Jafar. And I'm Laura. And we have a bunch of viewer mail to read. So instead of doing our normal fun stuff, we're going to read a bunch of viewer mail before we get into this episode of Babylon 5. I'm here for it. I've been recently sick, and I just want to listen to Jafar read me some mail. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've got a bunch going back months. The last time we did one of these was months ago. So I know we talked about a bunch of viewer mail in the season recap episode. Some of this mm -hmm. is from before that. Um, so if you've been waiting patiently, now's the time. Uh, if it wasn't particularly season recappy stuff, I saved it for this. So uh, first we have an email from Kevin. Kevin says, first off, I'm really enjoying the pod. Great job, guys. B5 is my favorite TV series. Yes, more than any of the Treks. And I get to mm. hear other people talk about it to me otherwise. So that's been nice. Mm -hmm. I've got to agree about the A plots and B plots not emotionally jiving with each other sometimes. It's something that happened mm -hmm. several times in DS9 too. I think it's a 90s TV thing that modern TV has made us more sensitive to. That's a good call Okay. Out. Yeah, I get that. All right. Also, I assume you guys are watching on HBO Max because mm -hmm. you were watching Quality of Mercy, but it's in the wrong place. It was neither <laughs> produced nor aired as the 15th episode. Uh, this isn't really a big deal for this episode uh, stuff, but they do jumble up the second half of the first season on HBO Max. I don't really think that mm, much of yeah. the rest of the series, but I, remain, I vaguely remember people being upset about it. Now, we actually have another letter about this. Oh, really? So I'll address this in a moment, and I'll go read the other letter at right after this. Um, but then Kevin goes on to correctly call out the Midwinter Lurker's Guide, which is where I do get my Usenet notes. I think we talked about that in a previous episode in passing. Um, so kudos to Kevin for correctly identifying the archaic GeoCities-level website that I use for most of my research. Oh, man. Yeah, I can just picture it in my mind. I haven't been to this one. When I research, I'm I'm just sort of Googling all over the place. But yeah, <laughs> I can picture what this website looks like. All right. Um, so we got another email from Mark. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read some of that right now, too, because Mark has the same concern. I'm powering through your season one episodes to catch up. So if this has already been covered in a different episode and I haven't caught it up to it yet, please ignore it. The episode order you're doing is actually quite different from the DVDs. For example, mm -hmm. Grail, which I just listened to as episode 15, and Quality of Mercy, which you re reviewed immediately before Grail, is on the disc as episode 21. Uh, so the Centauri tentacles were not shown back to back. Um, <laughs> it's better there, that way, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> there are a variety of other order variations on the disc compared to what you're reviewing. The episode lists I find on the internet seem to match up with the DVD order, so my question is, what is determining the order of your views? Is this how they're listed on HBO Max, a service they don't have? Or are you skipping around based on an ordering plan I'm unfamiliar with? I don't mind however you do it, but it does throw comments like they showed the effects back to back and do a little bit of doubt when the official order, as far as I can determine, 
is not back-to-back at all. Official being inherently subjective, I recognize. (laughs) Thanks. Hope things are good with both of you, Mark. So, this led me on a little bit of a crusade, pun intended. Um, (laughs) Continue. (laughs) Because I was just like, oh, well, the HBO Max order, it's probably just like the preferred order or something. You know, like they... The DVDs probably did the release order, and then they just went back and changed it at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, Wrong. sure. Oh, oh. The HBO Max order is actually completely different than any other order for seasons one and two. And for seasons three, four, and five, the air order, the DVD order, and HBO Max are all exactly the same. Okay. So we're going to sync up at some point. Yeah. Um, there's some differences in air order and DVD order, and season two matches those for the most part. But season one is very different. And I found someone who found what had happened. Specifically, there is a post that JMS made like six years ago. (laughs) And he's all like, if I were to put the episodes of season one in any particular order for me right now, it would be this order for story purposes. And it was one post. This order has never been released, acknowledged or anything as far as I could tell. And it just happens to exactly match the HBO Max order. So do you think they asked him, like, what do you want it to be in? And he was like, yeah, this. Or somebody just found a post and was like, oh, here's what it's supposed to be. Well, if you will recall early on, I did not have HBO Max when we started this. And I was actually watching Mm -hmm. on Vudu. And the Vudu order matches the HBO Max order. So that tells me that this is the official ordering of the remaster and not just HBO Max making decisions. Okay. Which does lead me to believe that it might actually be something from JMS in some regard. If not officially, then someone trying to get it set up for that order for him. Yeah. So maybe this is the official order. (laughs) Yeah. That's cool. I mean, you know, when, when you're thinking about the story, you're not thinking about do the tentacles show up? (laughs) <laughs> two episodes in a row you're thinking about what what is the story mm-hmm. being to me the creator so yeah yeah All right at least there's a, a possible rhyme or reason for it and mm-hmm. it's not just something that hbo made up yeah so that's the story mark for when you eventually catch up to this episode mark also uh gave us the best boss i ever had <laughs> and and interestingly enough mark did not hear our p1 Oh, he just came here organically. He heard us use the term loaf. Oh, yeah. And it was That's all like, that... are you guys friends of DeSoto? Mm. <laughs> it's just all like, yes. Yes, we are. There's a few words from that podcast that I cannot expunge from my vocabulary. And I have a really hard time, especially when, you know, somebody makes reference to somebody being passed away and I choke down RSVP instead of RIP. <laughs> <laughs> it's real hard. I haven't, I haven't done that one. On accident and purpose, um, I've definitely uh-huh. uh, done loaf a ton. All yeah. sci-fi makeup in the 90s has been a loaf for me for forever now. Yeah, since like episode two or whenever they <laughs> throw that one whenever out Whenever it came out, yeah. Yep. All right. Patrick, who is our meme lord in a Discord. Mm-hmm. You need d- some choice memes. You got to join the Discord. Right. Uh, has uh, sent us an email several months ago back in April. Just to throw out that The Fugitive is another film that we could watch for our film breaks. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Because Andreas is in it. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, think I'd lined up one that had him in it yet. So Maybe mm-hmm. season three. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought a Harrison Ford flick might be a better choice than Chud. I would agree. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> Number one fan Ben came at us with an email a little while ago. A question for you with your ongoing fantasy casting of the B5 reboot. I wonder what actor from the original series you would bring in to play a role in the reboot and who they would play. It has been done to great effect before with Richard Hatch playing Apollo in the original Battlestar Galactica and then coming back to play Tom Zarek in the reboot. I would have to vote Bill Mummy coming back to play Clark and make the role a more ongoing, ominous presence. I think that that would be brilliant, for one thing. Yeah. Bill Mummy's Clark could totally work, yeah. Yeah. No, he could pull that off. He could do it. I mean, I'd bring back anybody we could get at this point because yeah. we have so many that have passed away. It's it's tough. Um, Bruce Boxleitner's got to be a bit part at some point, right? Like just a one oh, episode yeah. guest star. Yeah. Like I, if he's honestly, not... you could make him Santiago. Oh, yeah. Or, or at the very least, the Santiago counterpart to not whitewash a character that we never uh-huh. see. But... Yeah, you know, you can make him president of Earth that's get, that gets killed. Yeah, um, he just he just gets he just is like in posters and then gets murdered later. <laughs> yeah, he's still yeah, acting though. He that. was just in the Orville. I heard that. Yeah, it's good. And he was in Tron Legacy. So yeah. I mean, that's a nice like echo, right, from being in the original Tron to Tron Legacy. He could be an original B five and a <laughs> new B five. That'd be cute. Yeah, he could be uh, honestly. If they just do Sheridan the entire time, mm-hmm. he could be Ranger One. Yeah. You could bring him back as whatever role Sinclair plays off world. And of course, I'd want to see Claudia Christian do something. I want to <laughs> see her be somebody. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. She's still maybe very a general. Acting. Yeah. Because we've had a lot of male generals in, in general. Maybe, maybe Claudia Christian needs to come back and grow pose. She could be a general. She could come back and be a senator. Mm-hmm. That could be fun. Yeah. Always causing trouble and ruining the budget. Yeah. Calling up on the TV. Um, we do have an email from Glorianne that does have a bit of spoilers. Okay. About the end of the show. Oh. Like the, the very end of the show. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and tell everyone to skip 30, maybe 60 here. And we'll uh, go over this um, real quick. Uh, we just finished our watch of Babylon 5. And with the prospect of Delenn having Sheridan's baby, I started to wonder about the heads of Mimbari babies. Oh, no. Do they grow their head bone after birth? Is it soft like a human baby head? Or do Mimbari women just have hearty vaginas? Big fan. Oh, glow. man. Oh, it's got to be after, right? It's got to grow it, after. It is. It, gr- it grows like hair. Okay. All right. Oh, it's, it's sort of like hair styled. and nails and yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like nails that's carved and styled. Um, so it doesn't come out with like those intricate spikes and all that stuff that's in it. Yeah. That's something that you do. Well, that makes a lot of sense because the warrior cast always seems to be extra spiky, don't they? Like Yeah. And if you just you become warrior cast because you had the extra spiky head, like that's very arbitrary. <laughs> so it makes more sense that you style it that way once you join that cast we have an email from travis howdy i heard your p1 message on greatest gen and just wanted to let you know i was obsessed with b5 when i was in high school Mm -hmm. i'm currently on season one episode 11 of your pod and i'm really loving it so far you just dropped the email credits into the end credits last episode so i thought that i would email you and tell you that your advertising worked 
and that I'm loving uh-huh. your show so far. That's that's I'm really the greatest looking forward thing. to how it develops. Be well, Travis. Thank you, Travis. Uh-huh. Thanks Didn't... for joining us on our journey. Knowing that your advertising works is like the best thing. Um, we got another one from Matthew. Good day, Laura Inch Fair. I found the podcast from your Jumbotron ad on The Greatest Generation, or was it (laughs) Discovery? And I've really enjoyed the pod so far. I happen to have also recently rewatched for the first time in about 15 years, so the timing was fortuitous. Much like you folks, prior to the rewatch, I remembered being fairly ambivalent about Sinclair and more on Team Sheridan, but my recent rewatch had me appreciating O'Hare a lot more as an actor and Sinclair as a character. Uh, your production is great. As a podcaster myself, I really appreciate it. Notice all the little edits and drops peppered in. Aww. The nine to five bit has me howling every time. <laughs> Yay! <Me too. laughs> and the Who Are You segments are tight and engaging. I pursued music for a while, but when I decided I wanted to own a home, I switched to IT. Weird. And has spent some time in a chemical take construction industry and have plenty of What's Osho's stories. Anyway, Aww. just wanted to reach out and let you know. The folks out on the interwebs that are enjoying the show, it's always good to hear from another friend of DeSoto. Curious if you guys are fans of the now-completed post-atomic horror Star Trek podcast. Uh, It's the Star Trek podcast I listened to prior to the start of TGG. It seems like it might be your taste. I have not. Yeah, I haven't listened to this But I put it on the Discord. And frankly, the idea of starting a 500-episode podcast has me, like, staring down the barrel like, this is the same reason I haven't watched One Piece. (laughs) <laughs> um, but if I find myself in a, uh, long commute or something again in my life, I get to work remotely right now, so I don't really do that, but podcasts are definitely my commute go-to and I'm putting this one on the back burner for that. Oh, I'm definitely going to put it on for my days at work when I'm like jamming on a spreadsheet and I can like divide my brain in two <laughs> and listen to something. I'm going to get, I'm going to put it on the list. And then we've got one more email from Francis. Hi, Laura and Shafir. I was filled with dread at your mention of the motion picture Grease as the focus of a special episode. (laughs) But I hear yourself ask, Self, what could be the source of his trauma? It was the spring of 1980. Oh, no. And for the better part of a month, I had been asking to go see The Empire Strikes Back. Yes, after three long years, the next chapter of the Star Wars saga was in theaters, and Cherub Faced Me was finally on his way to a theater to see the greatest Star Wars movie of all time. <laughs> the only caveat to this expedition was my older sisters had accompanied me to the showing. Imagine my excitement, the thrill of seeing the space opera play out for the first time. When we pulled up to the cinema, one of my sisters squealed, Oh my God, Grease is playing. Yes, Grease had been released two years ago, but there it was on the marquee playing oh, in no. Theater 6. My sister has made a study of Grease, playing the original cast recording until the grooves of the LP were worn smooth, singing all the parts and songs in harmony and with choreography. I knew I had to say something to avert disaster. But mom, you said you had to bring me to the Empire Strikes Back. I was so panicked I went right for the mom card. Rookie mistake. Oh no, my said my oldest sister. Mom said we had to take you to the movies. She never said which movie. Oh, no. Outlawed by my elders, I was dragged into Greece instead of Empire Strikes Back. My revenge took years, but it is a dish best served cold. Love the pod. Keep it coming. Francis. (laughs) Oh, well, I don't want to traumatize Francis, but I mean, where else do we get Jeff Conaway? (laughs) Look, I'm going to be real. I I love hate Greece. 
I it's a movie that I go back and watch every couple of years. Mm-hmm. It's always been a fun. I don't know what it is about it. It's not like it's a good movie. It's not. <laughs> I just I just love it, and I'm gonna watch it and probably gonna review it for the pod at some point. Mm-hmm. But we'll make sure we give you warning, Francis, and we're gonna do Tron first for sure. We'll do a special Francis warning for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Francis, turn off the pod this episode. This, uh, man, I get Greece. a lot of shit for being a musician who hasn't seen Greece, so we've got to do it. <laughs> have you not seen Greece? Okay, no, we uh-uh. have to. I haven't seen it at all. Okay. Yep. We'll watch the original then. I was going to say, if you've seen Greece a ton like me, it might be fun to do Greece Live, uh-huh. which was the uh, NBC when they were doing the live musicals yes, in yes, the yes, yes. Uh, late 2010s. They did one with uh, Carly Rae Jepsen's in it, and <laughs> she's queen. <laughs> So, mm-hmm. hashtag give Carly Ray a stored. Anyways, um, all right. Is that's that... our email. That's right. our inbox. Thank you, everyone who wrote us. Yeah. Please continue to do so. And we will continue to do mailbag segments where we talk about your stuff and read your letters. It's a lot of fun. I know getting all that positive feedback is huge source mm-hmm. of motivation to make sure that we continue doing this podcast. And it just feels great. So thank you so much. For the kind words, everyone, we truly appreciate them. Unlike this episode, which we don't appreciate. Season 2, episode 10, Gropos. That was quite the segue. Very, very uh, divisive, I think. Just getting it out there now. I'll get to it when we get to our rating of this episode. Okay. Because I have, we'll get to it at the you end. You have a feeling. I can feel it. I've got some feelings about this episode. Okay. Um, this is another non-JMS episode. This is another written by Larry Dottillo. Oh, really? Okay. It does have a different vibe. It has a different feel. Yes. And this also, I found exactly one note on this episode on the internet. And that's, Mm -hmm. it was so fucking expensive to do this episode that they had to like cheapen out on two other episodes this season. I could see that because we have a ton of guest stars and those people, you know, Mm -hmm. want paid. Uh, (laughs) Well, there's a lot of extras, Uh but there's not as many extras as you think. So mm. in reading the season guide by Jane Killick that I found at that used bookstore, uh-huh. there is a note from the director that's all like, some days I only had 40 to 60 extras. And we were literally cycling them through the background. Like they would walk through the set, run along the back of it, and then go back in line to walk through again. And it's just the same people rotating constantly in the okay, background. Okay, well, I never caught that. So good job. <laughs> and then there's a lot of um, CGI people. Mm-hmm. Like whenever you see large groups of soldiers, yes. there was probably five to ten and they just superimposed it with CGI. Yeah, I could definitely tell. Like when we get all those soldiers like disembarking and stuff, you can tell there's a mm-hmm. little bit of CGI and all that. And that happens right at the beginning here. So we open up with uh, CNC and Ivanova doing a bad job jinxing herself for the whole episode. Yep, Ivanova's on thirds where it's supposed to be nice and quiet. Mm-hmm. And then six Earth Force ships just roll in unannounced. Yeah. Sheridan runs up to meet the general who's disembarking mm-hmm. onto the station. I When I typed the word disembark, then I like really tripped myself out. Like, do you disembark onto something or are you embarking? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> he gets onto the station uh, and this general turns out to be Richard Franklin. And yep. he's played general. by... General. Yeah. General Franklin. And he's played by Paul Winfield, 
which is a mm-hmm. huge guest actor get for me. I thought this was great. So he's played other great characters, such as Martin Luther King Jr. in a miniseries about Martin Luther King Jr. Oh. And also Captain Clark Terrell in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Oh, shit! I totally missed that. <laughs> he's that guy. He's the that guy from my least favorite scene of any movie ever. <laughs> I really hate the earbugs. I'm not a fan. <laughs> Bonnie Bay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. So what a what a great guest actor for this episode. Love it. Yep. Uh, we quickly he's all like, "Hey, you've got the last name Franklin. There are a hundred billion humans living across the galaxy. You don't happen to be the one other Franklin I know's dad, do ya?" And he's all like, "Yes, I am. Of course." <laughs> yeah. He's he's uh identifies himself right away as daddy issues yeah he's all like i need you to set up twenty five thousand cots yeah so i was thinking about it twenty five thousand is about 1.5 times the population of the town i grew up in (laughs) yeah that's crazy so that's a lot it's 10 percent of the population of babylon 5 it's a quarter of a million people correct plus 10 percent can you imagine if for every 10 people, there was just another person overnight. Ugh. What that would do to logistics, the roads, water, food. Mm-hmm. Ivanova's job. Yeah. Earth Force calls it a classified operation. I call it a nightmare. <laughs> she gets shafted this episode. She does. That's the whole cold open. After theme, we see thousands of soldiers unloading into the station. Uh, we west wing with the command staff for a moment. They have quadruple booked rooms. And still are short on space for the Marines. We meet the drill sergeant who is just hilarious. I looked up this guest actor too because I was like, he's, I've seen him before, right? I mean, surely Ryan Catrona and his like Wikipedia opening line and IMDb opening line is Mm -hmm. Ryan Catrona is an American actor best known for playing gruff authority figures and military men. Yeah. Yep. Uh huh. That tracks. <laughs> Typecast. Now you get the hell out of here and clean yourselves up. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So Garibaldi's complaining and the general overhears it, uh, notes that he knew his dad, and then summarily dismisses the entire nature versus nurture argument <laughs> for it. <laughs> like, oh, your dad was a great soldier. You're clearly a fuck up. <laughs> so much for genetics. <laughs> He's not impressed with the... The Garibaldi homeschool security education. This has to be like one of the sickest burns in the history of the show. (laughs) (laughs) And this show has sick burns. It does. If you want sick burns in your sci-fi, come to Babylon 5. Mm -hmm. The general reveals the mission to end an alien civil war operation sudden death. Mm. So uh, we're still getting involved in foreign conflicts. Uh, Still making sure the friendly government to us wins. Uh, it's a proud human still, tradition, Jafar. <laughs> still still sticking our noses anywhere that we feel like it, just because we've got the military might to do so. Just mm-hmm. we haven't we haven't given up on that yet. We haven't learned our lesson on that one yet. Have you uh, seen these ships, Jafar? You don't have these ships to not use them. The very latest from Earth Force R and D. Anyways, the Senate is going to announce in a few days what's going on. The Marines will deploy, and the war will be over immediately. Mm-hmm, sure. 
maybe I want to know if this was just me. Am I just a disillusioned American millennial who's heard that before twice? <laughs> Did, was your immediate reaction like, sure, because uh-huh. mine was? Yeah, definitely. Maybe it's a generational <laughs> thing. I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Uh, He's also brought some stuff with him, the general. He's got yeah. a new defense system for the station, which Sheridan is like, wait, we're here to do peace. And I'm kind of worried that arming ourselves will jeopardize that important mission. And the general just blows it aside and says, whatever. Yeah, this is this is an Earth station and we've got to defend it. So, hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's an Iron Centauri war out there. Yep. And he does acknowledge that if the plan does not work as intended, that they might need a place to fall back to, to defend themselves from the rebels. Yeah, so they're like bringing war to the place of peace, possibly. <laughs> no big deal. Cool. Sheridan gets a great line about uh, saber rattling in. Mm, yeah. And then we cut to Kiefer, who finds two Marines in his quarters. Hey, buddy, how's it hanging? <laughs> These three have better spinoff potential than Crusade did. Oh my gosh, don't they? And that's knowing what happens at the end of this episode. <laughs> I I did enjoy these guys. I know it's hammy. I loved every second. It is fun. It it's supposed mm-hmm. to be fun. It's supposed to be carefree. It's supposed to make you smile. It's it's the knife before it gets twisted. Mm-hmm. I and you know we we had to be reminded that Warren Keffer is in the show because he's been in our faces in every theme but he's only been mm-hmm. in like one or two episodes until now and he actually does that he he recounts later one of the episodes he was in <laughs> <laughs> like i don't have a lot of story to go through but here's one mm-hmm. we cut to general franklin giving dr franklin shit for not calling his mom more i want to note i actually paused my notes and my watch to call my mom at this moment oh that's very good and sweet what a good son you are so <laughs> you just felt appropriately shamed by a dad figure. <laughs> you need right. To call it's your like, oh, shit, I should probably call mom. I actually checked. And it's all like I had called her like four days previous. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even like it was that bad. Yeah, but. that's not bad at all. I like that Franklin is trying to get his dad to try some alien fruit juice. And yeah, dad is dad likes earth juice. He doesn't want any alien juice. Yeah, he's not interested in alien juice. He actually um, is admiring the decorations in Dr. Franklin's room. And he finds the xenophobia drum that he had hung up and just bangs the shit out of it. (laughs) Indeed. No, in this scene, we get a weird bit of dialogue that I wrote down because it was so weird. So he tries to make it, I think it's a joke about, you know what they say about old soldiers? And then it's not funny at all. And I guess it's a reference to a Douglas MacArthur speech um, about old soldiers don't die, they just fade away. But mm-hmm. he says that he can still kick butt with the best of them. And I was like, but I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I we were just trying to, to understand. We were just trying to reference Douglas MacArthur, I think. And you got to get one in. Yeah, it it didn't work quite for me. Because, you know, when you when you make those, those are supposed to be funny. Is that how humor works? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't know. I'm hosting a sci-fi podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Over in Med Bay, Ivanova stashes a dozen Gropos in a near empty infirmary, setting the doctor off on a rant about his dad, old firestorm, hero of the Canal Wars, liberator of the African bloc, 
and the Scourge of Jaro 7. Whoa. It's quite a resume. Right. That's some titles. The <laughs> Scourge of Jaro 7. The Liberator of the African Bloc, I think, is interesting. It is, I wonder yeah. what happened in that conflict. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, and the Hero of the Canal Wars makes me think that that is a Earth terrestrial conflict as well. Could it be like Mars Canals? Like, you know, there's a it lot could of canals be. on yeah. Mars. I was like, hmm, interesting. This scene made me write down in all capital letters in my notes, holy shit, does this whole show have daddy issues? <laughs> because that's what Franklin and Ivanova are bonding over because she's got her own set of daddy issues that she recently dealt with. And then Sheridan seems to talk about his dad a lot. We don't know if he has daddy issues, but I was like, yeah. whoa, I was, you know, I've been There's sick. a lot of daddy issues in this show. I've been sick, so I was tripping out over some weird stuff. <laughs> There's enough daddy issues in this show where I think we both have a friend from college, uh, respective in our past, uh, who already has this show's phone number. <laughs> yeah, probably so. <laughs> yeah, no names mentioned. You get off easy this time. You know who you are. Right. Anyways, uh, yeah, they're talking about their daddy issues, and Mount is all like, well, you might want to say something while you still can. Yeah. Not ominous at all. Mm-hmm. Um, She's like, don't let it work out like it did for me. Mm-hmm. It very well could. Yeah. So Dr. Franklin is starting to sniff it out that maybe these troops aren't going to IO. He's one of the senior staff who wasn't told this mission yeah. is not going to IO. He is very notably excluded. Yeah. Rude. Anyway, Delenn shows up and confronts Garibaldi in the Zocalo or the marketplace or somewhere. Mm-hmm about the excess of soldiers, and she has concerns that Babylon 5 is going to turn into some sort of armed camp. But Garibaldi tells her they're just going to I.O., and she says, well, good, because we already have to worry about the fight between the Narns and the Centauri here, and yeah, we need to find a way to make peace. And But, you know, they get interrupted by some wild marine sounds. Jarheads. Garibaldi mm-hmm. has to go deal with some wild marines, and immediately... Dolan is accosted by a loudmouth dude and his buddies. Yep, she steps away just in time for some assholes to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, another Marine, who we learn later is named Dodger, saves Dolan. With then, spin kicks. <laughs> with spin kicks. Dolan runs and grabs Garibaldi, who then gets Dodger out of trouble without implicating anyone. Dodger catches up with Garibaldi to thank him and shamelessly flirt with him. Yeah. She objectifies the shit out of him. <laughs> but, viewer... I need I need you all to consider something right now. Mm-hmm. Dodger is very clear when she says that Garibaldi has, and I'm quoting directly here, uh-huh. a nice butt. Mm-hmm. Is it? I mean, I those, disagree. Those slacks are not at all flattering. No, 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 no. And I'm afraid to Google Jerry Doyle butt. I don't want that in my <laughs> algorithm. I don't want that in my search history. Right. I don't have to worry about someone seeing that ever associated with my name yeah except for i guess this rant right now i'm just gonna pause it that i'm sorry dudes most dude butts i don't find very nice (laughs) it's gotta be it it's gotta be a nice butt like round Mm -hmm. separation you you all don't have the like same pelvic build that we do (laughs) um for the most part anyways i'm not going to comment on jerry doyle's butt fully one way or the other I just want you, dear listener, to question it for yourself, which is a conservative media joke. Anyways. Oh, we can't go an episode without one of those. Got to get one in. Okay, so we got Uh, that one in. Let's move on. 
we cut to Sheridan and the general going over battle plans, and it does not look good. I am, mm-hmm. like, so he comes, says one of the reasons he chose Babylon 5 as a staging area, besides strategically it's the best staging area, is so that he can pick Sheridan's brain about the battle plans because he's got experience with this particular fortress or city thing. For some reason. For some reason. Mm-hmm. How recent is that knowledge, do you think? Like, was this what he was doing question. right before he came to Babylon 5? Because then it's six months out of date. And that's a mm-hmm. lot for military planning and defenses. That's, that's a, a lot of time. Point. And so he's just like, oh, there's a minefield over here. Oh, you can't come this way. It's like, yeah, this is dumb. How do you casually know these things from who knows how long ago? that the general who was planning the main assault on the city was not aware of. Chaka when the walls fell. Oof. It just blows my mind, the gross incompetence of what this implies. Yeah. No, we need, for some reason, Sheridan here. I feel like this first half of this season is a lot of, for some reason, Sheridan. And here's this for this episode. Like, he's got something we need for some reason. The doctor comes in. Boils over quickly and he leaves. The captain and the general discuss the nature of the soldier's life. Yeah, we get some pontification again from Sheridan about the job of being a soldier. And then he like gives this after school speech about how father and son need to accept one another and get over them daddy issues. After this, we cut to soldiers sexually harassing a woman in front of security while they laugh about a missing sex worker. <sighs> Fuck these guys. Yeah, I was like, really? <laughs> when when they were like, oh, yeah, there's some dancer that's missing. It's like, yeah. could she be in trouble? <laughs> Fuck these guys. Yeah. Yeah. The implication there is that it was of her free will, I suppose. But you don't know yeah. that. Dodger comes up and takes Garibaldi for a tour of a nice restaurant and his quarters, which we then <laughs> cut to. Yeah, uh, They fool around for a minute, but Garibaldi keeps distracting himself. Coffee, duty, Lisa, Talia, and how he just uh. wants to not screw this up. Like, <laughs> read the room. <laughs> this is clearly a hookup. This is clearly not an attempt at a relationship, Garibaldi. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so awkward. Right. But maybe the guy who elevator stalks women moves too quickly on shit and doesn't understand the difference. I have this habit of messing up. Yeah. And the guy who also misconstrued what I think was just basic human kindness <laughs> as yeah. interest in a relationship. Oh, boy. And this has definitely never happened to anybody. <laughs> uh... <laughs> yeah. So that, that whole thing is awkward and terrible. Um, sure is. Uh, The defense grid is almost done, though. Hey, and those dock workers are going to get some PTO. We get a shout out to the uh, leader of the union. Yeah, I liked that. I was like, oh, I remember that episode. The dock workers have been running their tails off, working overtime Mm -hmm. with all these Marines coming on board. And Sheridan just uh, says, no, they're going to get some time off with pay after these people are gone. And we don't have to worry about another situation. Uh, After this, cue the father-son fight. They do reconcile in a way that, at least to me, felt very real. Mm -hmm. Um, They're kind of like, we've both sucked, but we still love each other vibe. Yeah. I've had this fight. I mean, obviously not this direct fight, but (laughs) I've had this fight with my dad. (laughs) You didn't accuse your dad of killing millions of aliens. (laughs) 
Not millions, billions, no. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah. I, I definitely like when, when Franklin has his moment, his climax where he says, I love you, Dad. So, do I pass? And then speechifies. I was like, yeah. And I died laughing inside because his response, the general's response, is to shake his son's hand after he says, I love you, Dad. And I was like, mm, I know this, Dad. I know Dad's <laughs> like this. <laughs> yeah. This is the dad who says, I love you three times in their son's life. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm aware of this dad trope. Anyways, we cut to the bar where Kiefer tries to justify his existence. Oh, yes, yes. He's also... he's recounting episode one of the season. While they're yucking it up, the tall guy is identified as having been a gropo for over 30 years. 30 which, fucking years. That seems like a lot of time to still be an infantry man. I don't know fucking anything about the military. Fucking large. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's... That's a lot to still be ground pounding. So yeah, we get a that's just that just blows my mind. Like an infantry foot soldier for 30 fucking years. Mm -hmm. Anyways, Kiefer backs into bodybuilding Jeff Bezos's drink, and we get a bar fight. Classic. I love this <laughs> fight. Camera work. Oh, there is a shot in here that is a POV of Dodger beating uh -huh. up a camera. Just yes. Chef's kiss. Beautiful. Brilliant. So the well guy done. hanging from the ceiling, like from the light fixture. Love it. Yeah. All the spin kicks. Just amazing. Yeah. There was a note in the book about this being heavily inspired by Old West saloon fights in mm. movies, which 100% plays out. Mm -hmm. The orders come in and all the soldiers pack up and leave. We get a last minute makeout sesh before we cut to ISN. Best thing next to sex. <laughs> the makeout sesh cracks me up. And then I, I like the way this is cut. And then it's just like, we're all standing around in our civies. You know, Ivanova's mm -hmm. got her hair down and did, and they're waiting for whatever news, news the they front. can get. Yeah. General Franklin comes on to report victories eminent but costly. Mm -hmm. The casualty list comes in. And then we cut to Actor. Because they're all dead to credits. There's only one truth about war. People die. Oh, man. The only, the only people who make it out are the drill sergeant who pulls the general off camera mm -hmm. and the general. Every other character we were introduced into this episode is a Gropo, dead. Every last one. All Bodybuilding Jeff Bezos, dead. Dodger, dead. Large, dead. Yang, dead. All of them. It just really punches you in the gut. Which is why I have the rating for this episode that I have. But first, Laura, before I get into that, I will give you a chance to express your feelings on a scale of Babylon's one to five. How'd you feel about this one? I actually really like it a lot. Did you? <laughs> I, I was sitting there. Uh, we were we were driving somewhere yesterday, and I was musing in the car to my husband, and I was like, "Is it weird if I give this one a five too? Is that?" <laughs> he was like, "It's not a five. <laughs> and I was like, "But it feels so good to me. Like I don't know if it's just because when I was watching this episode and making my notes, I've had the the recent illness that you know everyone is getting in the middle of a pandemic, and you know, maybe I was just like a little sort of fever high i don't know but i love this episode <laughs> i really i i don't watch a lot of war stuff 
And I don't, yeah. not really a subject that I study or, you know, I, I didn't catch the thing you said about, wow, this military intelligence would be way out of date. I was fully like submersed in this episode <laughs> and I bought all the, I bought everything it was selling. I love the little like mashy kind of feel. You remember, you, you've yeah. watched a lot of mash, right? No, just but I'm, I've, I've seen MASH. I've, I've seen yeah. more than one episode of MASH, but I would not say that I've watched a lot of MASH. I've watched a lot of MASH. I liked MASH, but I like that feel to it. It's like, you know, we're, we're sort of in the trenches of our militariness mm -hmm. at this moment. All the guest stars, I liked how they were written. I liked everything they said. I loved the fight scenes. Uh, I liked grappling with some of the daddy issues and thinking it, it really got me thinking i don't know if you've encountered the podcast that was called why are dads i think it's now called you are good but they basically just talk about dads in media and movies and mm -hmm. dad characters and basically work out some of their own thoughts about dads and so the, for this episode it was like that mini universe for me okay so i don't know i just i'm giving it a four because okay. Aaron's right. It's not a coming of shadows. Coming of shadows was a five. Yeah. So for me, this one is a four. I enjoyed it a lot. I bought into the universe. I bought into everything that they were putting down. And it's just so, fun. It's fun in parts. Uh, it It is fun for a moment. Um, fuck this episode, though. <laughs> like, like, straight up, fuck this episode. Like, it did not need, nor did it deserve to have a happy ending. Right? Mm -hmm. This episode solely exists to make you feel bad. Mm -hmm. That is the purpose of this episode. This, per this episode is to lure you into a false sense of security, maybe even make you think that the general is going to die. There's a lot of foreshadowing about that with relation to Ivanova's dad. And it's mm -hmm. all like, this is Franklin's last chance to reconcile with his dad. There's a lot of that built into it. And it's maybe it's like, oh, maybe the general will die. No, nope, Yeah, but it's not fine. generals that die. It's the peons exactly. that die. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what this episode is here to do. It's here to show you that in war, the innocent people, not the, well, not, not the innocent people, but the poor, mm -hmm. the, the, the foot soldiers are the ones who pay the price. Right. It does a very good job of that. I wish it had gone further. Uh, I wish we had found out why there was a civil war that we were getting involved in. Yeah, the, that whole thing is very rushed, put together. Actually, when I remembered this episode, for some reason, mm -hmm. I had it in my head. And, I, and that's not just for some reason. It's because when we see ISN... Everything is very red. So I, in yeah. my mind, they had been going to Mars and like fighting, fighting the Mars terrorists or the Mars, free Mars yeah. or something. So I didn't remember it as even being an alien uh, planet. I remembered it yeah. being Mars. No, it's an alien planet. And I wish we would have gotten a little bit more about what the civil war there was about. Because they're going and stopping a rebellion. And if we had gotten some stuff about their government being really shitty, mm -hmm. you know. And maybe this rebellion is justified, and that would be a nice way to kind of foreshadow other stuff that's coming up in the show, mm -hmm. uh, seasons down the road. Or if the rebellion itself that they were, you know, like whatever's going on there, just like you could do it either way and make this story more compelling with a couple of lines of dialogue. So what I'm hearing is, you don't have quibbles with the overall plot, it's execution. No, no. The episode uh, has a clear mission. And it succeeds in that mission, and it is very good at telling the story it wants to tell and making you feel terrible. Mm -hmm. But fuck <laughs> this episode. I literally wrote down question mark out of five. 
I couldn't come like it's like oh, do I wow. so I hate this episode. Do I do I give it a one? Well, no, it it's doing what it wants to do and it's very good at that. Okay, mm-hmm. well then do you give it a four? No, because fuck this episode. <laughs> I have not rated this episode, and I think I'm just going to not rate this episode. Um wow. I don't I don't have concrete feelings on one way or the other. I could take it either way and give it a one or a four. It is Schrodinger's episode rating. <laughs> Um, it's both a one and a four until you open it. It's both it. a one and a four until you open it and figure out which it is. And we will not be opening that envelope to know. I just remember this one so well. Like, there's been so many episodes in mostly season one, some of season two, that it's like, I don't remember this at all. But I remember mm-hmm. Ropos. And I remembered, like, positive feelings associated with all those, you know, the ground pounders, the, the peons, yeah. the ones who die. And, you know, I guess... There are definitely things about the execution that could have been done differently. And I don't necessarily even need the stupid attempt at romance with Dodger. Like, she could just be a soldier, you know, and not an object of Garibaldi's desires. (laughs) Yeah. So in the book, there's a bit there because Jerry Doyle had been pressuring the writing room to give him a sex scene, right? Oh, my God. It's like, Mm. right? Yeah. (laughs) And so they finally give him one, and he's all like, no, this doesn't feel right. He wouldn't do it. And they actually changed the script based off of that. Wow. I feel like this says a lot of things about things. (laughs) Yep. Well, he was also dating Andrea at this point. At the time. Like, Jerry Doyle and Andrea were dating. And so they were both like, oh, put our characters together. It'll be fun. And they were just like, no. No, 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 no. No, just, just, just wait, but no. So I think this is partially in response to that, too. Well, that explains some of the weird feelings about it. Yeah. It's just a weird scene. Hmm. Cool. All right. Well, next week, season two, episode 11, All Alone in the Night. Sheridan is captured and experimented on by aliens. Delenn is removed from the Grey Council. Sheridan receives unsettling information from his superiors. That's a lot of things in one episode. It is a lot of things in one episode, and we'll talk about all of them next week. Until then, though, we'd like to go ahead and thank Jeremy Siegel for our wonderful theme music. You can find his music at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com. And thank you to Angry Deck Time Machine for our lovely podcast art. And go ahead and shoot us an email at whoareub5 at gmail.com. Join our Discord. It's a lot of fun there. (laughs) And uh, we'll see you next week, Internet. Yeah, like we said, we really like hearing from you. And it's nice to know that that 200 bucks I spent on an ad was worth it. Woo! (laughs) All right. Take care. See you next time. (laughs) 